What defines success? I've always sort of had a belief that you don't run out of a burning building, you run into it if you really are a leader. Take risks. Take prudent risks, but take risks. Take that leap and bet on yourself. What happens when you get knocked down? It was like, wow, I, I think I just got fired. I think that, like, they're just saying, saying to Jay Margolis that he, they don't want him anymore. Everybody's going to get knocked down in life, regardless of who you are or what you're doing. The question isn't how you get knocked down. The question is, how do you get back up? What makes some people radiate? You have to have the mental and physical fortitude for this stuff. Life is long, and as long as you are excellent, things work out for you. This is Radiate. Hi, everyone, and welcome to a special best of episode of Radiate. Thanks so much for joining us for our incredible first season of the show. We cannot wait to bring you more amazing stories and amazing guests. I want to bring in someone who's been in the background throughout the season, our podcast producer, Matthew Passy. <laughs> you, may, you may have heard me laughing at a couple of points yes. or, you know... <laughs> I asked a few questions that might have gotten muted. <laughs> Ribbing me, you know, uh, saying, ask that question, ask right. that question. <laughs> or just, you know, I have morbid curiosity because I sit here and listen. I can't can't jump in all the time. Right. It's been a lot of fun with these folks. There have been some really incredible people at the table with you. Um, very insightful, very personal, very funny in a lot of cases. Yeah. Um, being there. You know, I get to listen to this content over and over again, but hearing these folks say it with such passion, like it's just been, it's been eye opening for me in a lot of ways as a, as an entrepreneur and, you know, as my own employer. Yeah. Well, it it has for me too, Matthew, because one of the objectives that I wanted, that I think we both wanted, but you know, that we wanted people to get out of Radiate is that they came away with lessons, you know, content that they could then use for their own life, you know, advice that they could put to use. And I feel like we did get that from pretty much all of our guests. The one that I have that I think, you know, is one of my favorites is from Kevin Ryan when he talked about, you know, how when he goes into a meeting, he doesn't look at it as, oh, I need something from you. He goes into it thinking, I'm giving you a chance to do something with me. And I feel like that that kind of just even that slight shift in the way you view something can give you all the confidence in the world. If you still feel like fundamentally you are building something great, I walk into this meeting and I think, you know what? I'm actually giving you an opportunity. I'm giving you an opportunity to make 10 times your money. And if you turn it down, someone else is going to do it. And then you'll regret it. That's how you go into every meeting. Yeah. And I believe that I wouldn't be raising money if I didn't believe that. Um, and, you know, that, and that's been true many times. You know, when I raised money for Mongo at a $10 million valuation only five years ago, and most people turned me down. And uh, today, you know, it's worth the last round was at $1.4, billion. Wow. So everyone who turned me down regrets that. I remember that moment, too. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, my God, he has so much confidence. But, but you have to have that kind of confidence. You totally have to. You, I should have thought that when I go to my boss's office and ask for a raise, <laughs> I'm giving you an opportunity to give me a raise. <laughs> or, or 
when we want to interview someone. It's like, I'm giving you an opportunity exactly. to be on this platform. <laughs> um, you know, similar similar kind of advice that we got. Uh, one of the first episodes that we did was Steve Schwartzman. Yeah. Very successful guy. He was great. And I One of our most popular podcasts. Absolutely. And I couldn't believe he was talking about this program and people were asking me, you know, like, what, what do you do when it comes to interviews? What's your secret there? And and I thought his his response was just so candid, so incredible. I said, you should just be yourself. Imagine you're meeting somebody who actually just wants to know who you are. Mm-hmm. All you want to do is tell them who you are. There should be no inhibition to doing this. You know, you, you have the same goal. They're trying to figure you out. You're trying to present yourself. Don't don't be nervous and, and, and just be easy. And but most people and are open. nervous, right? Yeah, but they it's shouldn't be because you both have the same objective. Right. And nobody wants to hire the wrong person. You don't want to end up in the wrong place because you're a great salesperson mm-hmm. and you sell yourself to be working at a place you shouldn't be. So you're going to end up hating that. Yeah. So I said, this isn't an adversarial proceeding in terms of interviewing someone. It's mm-hmm. it's it's a good thing uh, for everybody. And you should just relax and, you know, enjoy that experience. With that one, Matthew, I couldn't agree with you more. We often feel like when we go into an interview, we have to impress them with like our knowledge of this or that. But it's really like they want to just know, like, can they work with you? Can they connect with you? That's really what people are looking for when they interview you. Yeah, I think if you really go in there with that thought process, it right. takes so much it's a conversation. Pressure. Yeah, and it takes so much pressure off. I mean, if you take the pressure out of the situation, you'll probably perform that much better. Yeah. Because you don't want to lie to these folks. You're Look, let's say you get the job on a lie. Now you've either got to sustain the lie <laughs> exactly. or you're going to be stuck working at a place where you you're not You definitely don't really want to get a, a job fit. on a lie. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. You, well, you don't want to overpromise. Okay. And I, I th- the, the other person I thought who had a lot of lessons for people was actually our, the first person we interviewed for the podcast, Andrea Jung. The thing that really stuck out with me was when she said, look, everyone can talk about problems, but you're going to make yourself much more successful if you come to people with solutions. Be the solution. I am always, always impressed with young people who come up to me and say, here's what I have to say to you. 25% of it is the problem that you should know about is going on in your company. And 75% of it is here's how I would fix it. It is alarming to me when someone comes and says, do you know that this is the problem? And they spend 75% or 80% of the time just complaining about legitimately what's wrong. Um, so I think you have to have that initiative. Hmm. But, you know, my headline would be, you know, solve. There are problems. And what's going to make you tomorrow's leader is if you can find the solution that perhaps your boss and your boss's boss can't solve. And if you can find the solution, you should be the next leader. So earn the right. You know, shame the company into promoting you because you had such a great idea. <laughs> there was a lot of great advice there. But, you know, if you've been listening to season one, you've, you've heard most of that content throughout the season. It was really good. Now, there's a lot of stuff that, for one reason or another, just didn't make it. Some yeah. of these episodes get edited down. And so we wanted to share with you some of those things that just didn't quite get into an episode of Radio. For example, there was Charlie Rose talking about one of his biggest regrets in life. Yep. I will not on my deathbed say I, I, will, I will probably, I know that I say this all the time to everybody else, you regret what you didn't do, not what you did. So all the things I did, I have no regrets. There may be things that I intended to do or should have done that I regret. 
So I try to make sure that I do as many of those things so I have as few regrets. Is children on that list? It is, very much so. Yeah, I'm really. And I think about that in terms of what I can do now for children, Mm. both in terms of adoption or be, you know. I mean, if I fell madly in love and somebody wanted to have children, then I would have children. Yeah, Matthew. And what about George Zimmer talking about smoking pot and joining the <laughs> Occupy Wall Street movement? When you're not running a, a public company, uh, you don't have the uh, uh, the responsibility. And you, you haven't asked me, and I appreciate that, uh, but I, I am a, an advocate for medical marijuana. And I was going to ask you that, actually, but yes. That was very awkward. Uh, when I was the CEO of Men's. Uh, did you talk about it when you were the CEO of Men's? I did, but okay. not as much as I'm talking about it now. Uh, but I'll tell you what did happen that I think people in New York can relate to. I got involved in the Occupy Wall Street movement uh, out west, Occupy Oakland, where I live. But I was making a business trip back to New York and asked my board if they'd have a problem if I went into Zuccotti Park and talked to the uh, protesters, and they literally begged me not to do it, uh, and I didn't. And uh, that that night in uh, when I got to New York, uh, Deepak came to my hotel room to tell me how proud he was personally of the stand I was taking on the Occupy uh, Wall Street movement. Why did you want to take that stand? Well, I I believe that the inequality in America is getting worse and is 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 making everybody's life more tenuous, uh not just the the poor people, but uh, nobody likes taking their family to theater and seeing homeless people sleeping in the street, mm-hmm. uh, which is what we have everywhere in America. And I just think that income inequality, and I'm, by the way, a, a capitalist. I think capitalism is, is, is the best system of creating wealth that's ever been conceived. But that doesn't mean that we couldn't have a more equitable tax system, as an example. And then you and Sally Krawcheck had a really interesting discussion about why you guys don't think there's a lot more women or, or even minorities in, in the workplace. In the workplace, yeah. Yeah. Let's just say it's not pipeline, okay? It's not pipeline uh, because the pipeline, you know, and if we just wait for the women to come through, we're going to be okay. I had uh-huh. the New York Times call me. This was a year ago um, and said, here's the new Wall Street class and look, it's X percent women, third third women. So now we're going to start to make some progress. Said, Wait a second. It was a third women when I right, started when you were in the there. 80s. Yeah. So it's, it's not pipeline. I, you know, I think it's not unusual in periods of crisis for diversity to go backwards. And you'd think it would go forward. You'd think, well, gosh, the, the majority is the one who got us in trouble by definition. Right. Let's be more diverse. But what actually happens is that the, the wagons are circled. Not in a, we got to get rid of the people of color, we got to get rid of the women. But what I saw again and again and again and again and again is, yeah, I know we're supposed to have a slate and it's supposed to be diverse. Fine. We got it. But I have got to trust Joe. Joe is my, Joe and I grew up together. Joe's my guy. And what I saw happen is this is my team. I've worked with him for 20 years. Mm -hmm. We vacation together. Our, Our wives are friends. I can trust Joe. That's what I saw. 
That's what I and saw. That, and, and that trickles down. Like people hire and they surround themselves with people that they're comfortable with. As Human do I, nature. As, as do I. As do I, right? as do you, yeah. as do yeah. everybody else. And so that's what I saw happening um, overall. And, and by, you know, sort of the other thing is an object in motion stays in motion. An object at rest stays at rest. If you're not making progress, you're not making progress. You're not making progress. You're not making progress. And so as you go to some of the younger people or people who are mid-career and say, why wouldn't you do a, jo- a research analyst job or a trading job? And they say, because I don't know anybody who does. Right. And so it's not my circle. And but the guys, you know, know the guys, go out for beer with the guys or friends with the guys, we're in the fraternity with the guys, et cetera. And so there's sort of a, oh, I know about it and I know people there. But if right. there are already not many of folks like you, it's hard to figure out a way in. So that was the stuff that was meant to be recorded, but just didn't make it onto the episode left on the cutting room floor. Now, the other thing, Matthew, that I thought was fascinating was when people knew that the mic was rolling, they were still talking, but they were maybe I could say they're more natural selves, right? Yeah, just just outside of the formal interview. Exactly. So here's a couple of uh, moments behind the scenes. I use sports marketing as a way to really get to know entrepreneurs. So okay. we're the bank of the I'll Tampa Bay, we're the bank of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We're okay. uh, a corporate partner of the Miami Heat. Uh, so I've seen oh. the Heat win a championship from our suite. And that, that was right. a hot ticket, also. That yeah. must have been. How do you think? What do you think about losing LeBron, though? He's uh, yeah, now. he's really really good. Yeah, yeah no. <laughs> you're like <laughs> <laughs> I'm like a black hole of sports knowledge though when I walk in a room other people lose knowledge so her story itself was just like very interesting yeah. you know, people remember that and people love that stuff people they love, love that stories. stuff we well they want to the they want to are you ready to bury your soul Jay yeah, that's what that's what people want. Oh man, Betty, that, I, who, who just said that? I, I just I, I couldn't even picture it coming out of you. <laughs> Whoa, because this Southern is, religious. This, you this took is, it to Southern religious angle on it. This is really like a therapy session. This is what it is. I think it is. Is there a couch here somewhere? <laughs> oh wow! I'm not saying it is. <laughs> Thanks, Robert. Um. Sorry. Okay. So we're good. How's it going so far? Great. I love it. Thank you. I think it's fantastic. Um, Good so far? Because I like with each. You're laughing. I'm having a great time. There you go. I get front row seats to all these great (laughs) (laughs) Some of those are really good. So that was the first one was Trevor Burgess. The second was Jay Mark. I love his black hole comment. Oh my God. That's great. And then the last one there was Robert Wolf. Well, Matthew, something else that's been great about doing this podcast is actually talking and interacting with the listeners, right? It's so great that they've gone on to iTunes, they've reviewed the podcast, they've subscribed to the newsletter. They've tweeted us. They've tweeted us. And as I promised, I am reading every single review. And I just want to read um, for you guys one that really, you know, touched my heart. I thought like, hey, this is exactly why we want to be doing this this sort of thing. It comes from Wingborn. Uh, on our iTunes review board, you can click on there and read it yourself. But basically, this person says, we learned that all great leaders deal with failures the same way. How to get back up is the key to true success. The podcast inspired me to dream big and achieve. And it's all right to feel down, but it's not all right to stay down. Mm-hmm. That's right, Wingborn. <laughs> not all right to stay down. You've got to get back up. 
That actually, I actually got chills hearing that because that's exactly what you want every listener to take away from this podcast. Right. Is that everybody has to get back up and try again. Another one that's uh, really good. Congratulations, Betty. This is from Fernando Chang. Not only can we now hear and read more about your insightful comments on celebrities, executives, and issues, we can hear the intonation of your voice and the interviewee while walking, commuting, brushing our teeth. And I think that's what Brushing makes, our teeth? Well- I, he does not brush his teeth as loudly as I do. <laughs> but I think that is the one thing that's so great about this is not just getting to know this advice, but hearing people say it in their own voice, in their own right. words. You know, you hear that passion uh, from our guests. And that, that's what I think makes podcasts and, you know, this this product in particular really Yeah, fun. because you don't have a, a video camera, although we are going into video podcasting. And you can speak more about personal things. Which is what I think many of our guests did, uh, including Sally Krawcheck, who really opened up about getting fired. I've had some dark moments. I mean, getting publicly fired. The Bank of America one felt like a random act of violence because the business that I had responsibility for was doing well. It was growing. I, you know, it might have been the only business there that was growing at the time. It was ahead of plan. our noses were clean. There were no scandals. And I kept telling the team, you know, I'm not a dumb woman. I I knew the the CEO was not the one who hired me. He and I were not going out for drinks at night. So I wouldn't, I'm not a dumb woman, but I kept telling the team that it's okay. Look, he's got bigger fish to fry. He's got this whole mortgage mess he's working out. He's got this working. Keep our noses clean. Keep our noses clean. Deliver the results. We're going to be fine. And then I got reorganized out. You know, with that was a shocker. It, it it wasn't. It wasn't right because you know you're not on the in the inner circle, but you're doing business the right way. And the the stunner for me at the time was: look, I grew up. You know, get your A, get your A, get your head down, study hard, get your A. If you get an A, you're going to so be identify okay. with this. I think almost every woman can oh, right? get I, your. My a. dad said this to me all the time. Everything's going to be fine. And then that was sort of the shocker of. What I'm sorry, I got we got an A, and I and, and a couple, you know, one other in this day, and then one other a couple of weeks later got reorged out, and that you start to say because well, you're things, like I work hard, yep, I'm excelling. What the heck? And I and the team was doing great. I mean, we had a great team in place. You know, the I had been brought in by Ken Lewis to bring the attrition rate for the financial advisors down. You know, was it it was very high when I got there. We we got it down, and so you sort of hey, we're we're doing what we're supposed to do, and then you get that we're going in a different direction. So I understand, you know, how people live in fear of that insecure. You know, sort of have that insecurity about will my job be there? Because what I saw is it's true, not just for folks who you know are underperforming. But increasingly, because the economy is changing so much mm-hmm. and business is changing so much, it can be true for people who are outperforming. So I was the president of my fraternity. Uh, I was a precocious uh, 19-year-old having a, a great time learning, a great experience in college. But I wasn't being true to myself. And I made the decision one day to just be who I was. And I was to be uh, gay. I told my fraternity brothers about it. They didn't take it too well. And one of them decided to write an article about me in the Dartmouth Review. And it wasn't a very nice article. But at that moment, 
And in part because of that adversity and in part because of that nasty article, did I make a decision that I was going to forever be sort of who I was and be very authentic in that. Mm -hmm. So I quit the fraternity and became president of the Gay Students Group. And uh, it was a challenging time mostly because it was pretty lonely, right? This was not Boston or New York or San Francisco or Miami. Right. This was Hanover, New Hampshire, population 6,000, and that's including the cows. <laughs> <laughs> um, what was the article that your fraternity brother wrote? What did it say? It's, it called me a renowned sodomite. Wow. Right? Which was pretty interesting. And that got published in the paper? Yes, yes, it did. And what what was... I mean, you mentioned you quit the fraternity, but was there any backlash at the time on campus, or, or, or what, what happened? No, that was, that was an acceptable thing to happen in, you know, 1991, 1992. Thankfully, we've come a long way, mm. and Dartmouth has changed a lot, and society has changed a lot. And, but going through that sort of experience... It taught me a couple of things. One, that I needed to have really thick skin if I was going to survive in the business world especially. And number two is that I did have to be authentic. I needed to be myself completely if I was going to be successful. What was it like getting let go by the board two years ago? Well, it was, of course, shocking. It wasn't totally unsurprising, but uh, it was nonetheless quite a, a shock because... Since I was not just the founder, the CEO, the chairman of the board, but the television spokesperson, I honestly did not think, regardless of the disagreements that we had, that they would ever consider letting me go. You were too identified with the company, right? I thought so. And in fact, they preferred that I stayed. They wanted me to remain as chairman emeritus, which was a figurehead position, and, and that's just not uh, something that uh, suits my style. Mm -hmm. So I, I declined that, and then they immediately uh, let me go and, and said, uh, George, we put your stuff in storage. And I said, my furniture? And they said, yes, your furniture and all 40 years accumulation of files was put in storage. And I've not been back to my office since it's been two and a half years. Nor do they still have? Do they still have an office for you? I think they put a ping pong table in there, is what I've heard, but <laughs> okay. I, I don't really know. And I've I've not spoken to anyone uh, that was on the board or senior executives. But they were some of your good friends, weren't they? They were all my close friends, and that's what I think made it particularly difficult. Uh, very Machiavellian, and and I reread Machiavelli, and it, it's only your your good friends that you let that close to your back unprotected, and so really, it's usually your best friends that uh, stab you in the back. Wow, yeah, I remember getting chills hearing that stuff from Sally and Trevor and George in person. I mean, just yeah. really impactful stuff. Something else I was that I surprised they were willing to open up that much, but. I, I think you, you know do what? a great job of just making oh, them no, forget no. their I'm not interview. fishing for compliments, Matthew, but thank to. you. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
I get paid per compliment. <laughs> uh, but I, something else that was a lot of fun and something that I know we're going to be working with a lot more were live events. When we did that event yes. at of Mercer. That was so much fun. Oh, both Daniela and Susan, really just great stuff from both of them. Right. Daniela Yakubowski and Susan Line. So my question, I actually have two questions. As a boss, do you, how do you, if you count a situation like this, how do you work with competitors? And my second question is, how many hours do you sleep? That's a good question. Sure. Um, I'll, I'll start with the sleep question, um, which is, you know, not a lot. Um, it's funny because, again... How many hours? Though? How many hours? Oh, my God. It's all over the map. Um, so very, I will say very early on when we were starting the company, I mean, I was really, really, really never sleeping. And then I quickly recognized that that catches up with you. And at some point, it becomes diminishing returns. Um, you need to get sleep. You need to get rest. You need to find outlets for stress and creativity and things that keep you sane and help you keep your head on straight. Because if you're just going nonstop, it, you eventually just sort of explode. So you, you have to find those outlets. And truthfully, you're the only person who can create those for yourself. And that for me was the, the biggest learning is I had come from um, finance where I was used to working very, very, very long hours. But the beauty of it is it wasn't mine and I didn't own it and I didn't love it. And when I wasn't at work putting in my hours, I was mentally out. Like, forget it. Here's your book. Enjoy the meeting. I'm going home. I will see you probably in three hours because this job sucks. But, you know, it was when I wasn't there, I really wasn't there. And the difference is whether I'm in the office or out of the office, it's totally irrelevant because my mind is 24 hours a day on bobble bar. It is not uncommon for me to wake up at four o'clock in the morning and immediately text something to Amy and be like, oh my God, I had an idea. She is currently on maternity leave. And I can tell you that when she gave birth a few weeks ago, which was on the night of my brother's wedding, I came back to the hotel room with a text message from her that said, I went into labor. Oh, by the way, I had an idea. And I was like, oh my God, you gotta be kidding me. Go give birth. It's okay. But it's really hard to (laughs) mentally turn it off. And I think that there is a difference between actual hours sitting in a chair working and just mental capacity. On the competitor front, um, I try to make friends with them. I, I try to meet them. So I I think it is useful. They're not going to tell you everything. You're not going to tell them everything. But it's very good to have a a cordial relationship with your competitors and to be able to pick up the phone if something happens and actually call them. So I did that when I was at ABC. I knew every single one of the entertainment chairmen across the board. Um, and I did it when I was at Guilt. And I, I think it's really important. Even your deepest rivals? Oh, would yeah. do that? Yeah. No, I mean, I'm, yep. yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, and on sleep, I get a lot more now than I, I used to. And that's partly because Ariana Huffington is my friend, and she constantly harps at me about how many hours I'm sleeping. Um, I don't know whether you've you've heard her talk about sleep, but um, she's very amusing about uh, about how many times she goes to a meeting with guys who are bragging about the fact that they only slept for four hours last night, and she always wants to say, if you had slept for two more hours, this would be a much better meeting. <laughs> so some great audience questions at that Of Mercer event, and I'm really hoping that for season two, we get to do multiple live events. Yeah, that was great. Yeah. So those are some of the best highlights from our first season. And, you know, we learned a lot, right? We got a lot of advice. We, you know, listened to a lot of great stories. We got people to open up. But you know what? Overall, Matthew, it was just really damn fun. 
So how did you like being called or considered a fat cat banker? Well, it's funny. Wall Street Journal, I think, used the headline when they did the article on me, fat cat with the president's ear. And I used to say, Jesus, can you not call me fat? I mean, how about, how, you know, how about hefty or stocky or or a guy with a football a robust. figure? Robust. Robust, right. I mean. Yeah, so I did I did very well in high school and uh, and sports was very easy for me. Like what? What sport? So I was recruited for soccer by colleges. I was the most valuable player on my tennis team. Um, I played, don't laugh, competitive ping pong. Uh, See, you did laugh. Sad for you that that is the viewpoint with which you go through life and that there are so many people out there who are doing interesting things who are women and you will never really appropriately see that for what it is and you will probably miss a lot of really extraordinary opportunities and that's unfortunate for you. And, you know, bye, Felicia. Move on. That's it. (laughs) More energy than a bullfighter with a bull. He's put down too many of them. So um, I looked at that. I I was at the White House with... George W. Bush at a at a state dinner, and uh, I had the distinct pleasure of sort of sitting next to the president, and on the other side was his mom. And you know, there were a couple things at dinner that I'll always remember. One is a mother's a mother, because Barbara <laughs> Bush said to him, "You're eating too fast." <laughs> that was like my very favorite line at the dinner. Now, raising my daughter today, I. <laughs> sort of laugh when she has experiences. You know, I have millions and millions of frequent flyer miles, and we cashed them in, and we took her to uh, London when she uh, was about four and a half, and we flew British Airways first class using those miles. And now she thinks that every plane should have a bed, so we're on JetBlue, (laughs) and she goes, Daddy, why doesn't this turn into a bed? And she was getting upset. (laughs) And I have to, I, I think back to my own childhood and go, boy, uh, you know, I don't even remember going on vacation. You know, I didn't go to Europe. <laughs> because I didn't have much credibility. And I thought, like, if I dress more conservatively, I would have more credibility. Of course, as I got older and I became more credible, the clothes came off. And, <laughs> and I was just like, whoa, whatever. So, um, you know, so... <laughs> Have you ever had a bad interview? Sure. I mean, I, you know, I, don't, I can't cite chapter and verse, but I've had bad interviews because I didn't have time to put into it what I would have liked to put into it. Was that early I mean, on? I've literally, no, today. I'm not, this, <laughs> this, not this very day, but maybe yesterday. Look, I, I was turned down by so many people when we raised money for DoubleClick in the beginning. Um, in fact, the number, I've raised a lot of money over time, but I've been turned down so many times. It reminds me of my high school dating career. <laughs> many, many, many no's. Uh, my high school career had even fewer yeses, but at least raising money, I have a bunch of yeses as well. You were in such a big public you know, yeah. Yeah. Uh, podium. And then suddenly you're a nobody. But see, but it depends. Well, I mean, a, Betty, an alleged no. Just, I'm sorry, Betty. Excuse me. Excuse me. Excuse me, Betty. Did you just say I'm a nobody? Because. An alleged nobody. This podcast is over. <laughs> Where? That's the fear. Let the right? record reflect I have stormed from the room. By the way, when that happens to me, Sally will be like, oh, you like being a nobody now, huh? Okay. Most people today think I'm the Dosecki's guy. <laughs> I don't often you drink had, there's beer. There's a trace of that. I don't often drink beer, but when I do, I prefer Dos Equis. 
Stay thirsty, my friends. I love... George Zimmer, the most interesting man in the world. Uh, and I love being that man when I go out and about now. People say, are you the Dos Equis guy? And I go, I am. And then, you know, that's... <laughs> and if I say I'm the men's warehouse guy, they go, that's even better. <laughs> No, that uh, it was a really good season. It was, it was a lot of fun. I can't wait to do the next ones. I can't either. So thank you so much for joining us for the first season of Radiate. We're going to be back in a few weeks with a whole new lineup of the world's most successful people. They're going to share their stories and their insights. We're going to get a lot more advice for you listeners. So keep an eye out for the debut of season two. In the meantime, please take a few moments to review us on iTunes and subscribe to the podcast. Stay up to date with me on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. And don't forget, you can sign up for my newsletter on my website website at betty-liu.com. See you soon on Radiate.